0: everyone, and welcome to episode 159 of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind. And I am Kayla Moria And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla. Hi. 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 How are you? I'm okay. You're okay? I'm okay.
1: Yeah. I had a busy weekend, but busy in a good way. Good, good. We had the Love and Lust show at the Rathskeller. Oh. Okay. So uh, as we've mentioned before, I emcee for a local burlesque troupe called the Duluth Dolls. And sometimes we do a show in this place called the Wrath Sculler, which doesn't have a stage. It's this like dungeon-y kind of vibe in there. hmm And it's a big circle. And there's like chairs in the middle and these pillars. So the dancers go around and dance like in a circle and it's a lot more crowd-work-y. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting and different. And makes it really difficult to MC because there's no way for me to go around in a circle. So I just find myself like peeking around corners being like, hi. I'm here. I'm here. But Can you see me? This thing I decided to do this time, which I was very proud of, is uh, I created a crowd version of the wave. Well, a, a different crowd version of the wave. I was going to say that I'm pretty sure that is a crowd <laughs> activity. Yep. So what I do is I'm like, all right. When I go around in the circle, everybody cheer when I pass you, and so I run in a circle around the whole thing. Oh, and, and everyone so- goes woo! Yep, it gets everybody hyped, <laughs> gets me hyped, and uh, that's really my big excitement of the of, of the, the weekend. Last, uh, of the weekend, I mean, nice. I, there was other stuff, but that was my. I was very proud of that.
0: Well, yeah, you got everyone to cheer for you. Yep. It's like that button that goes woo!
1: woo! Yep, it's it's lovely.
0: <laughs> How are you? I'm okay.
1: Sludgy, sludgy <laughs> Brittany. <laughs> no, I not know. soon to not be sludgy anymore. I'm very excited. I'm excited for you.
0: Uh, we' I'm reco- excited for me. We're because reco- <laughs> then you don't have <laughs> to hear it anymore. No, it's not that I don't want to hear
1: it. I'm just excited for me because I'm like constantly worried that uh, I'm happy. That I don't have to take on any extra responsibility oh, when you're gonna when you're sick. It's it's I'm happy for you, but I'm also happy for you. Very me. happy for it. Yeah. <laughs> that um, makes me sound selfish, but I know it. I recognize it.
0: Well, it, as uh well, we got a lovely opportunity to have a Zoom hangout with Kara yes. and Steph from Prophecy Girls, and we had a whole conversation about how Kayla is not allowed to edit. <laughs> So I we were supposed to record yesterday, which was Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, my body decided, no, I don't want you to. Uh, apparently, there's such thing as a gallbladder attack. And I learned something. It's, it's not fun. So I did my research yesterday, <laughs> uh, but when it came to recording, I'm like, oh, I feel awful. So tonight, we're actually going to record two episodes. Yep. So next time you hear us after this one, it's the same night, pre-surgery, but we made it that way so that Kayla doesn't have to edit.
1: So that I don't have to and Brittany doesn't have to let me. Exactly. Because
0: (laughs) I don't like giving up that control. We know
1: our roles and we recognize them.
0: Look, we have strengths and we have weaknesses and it just so happens that editing is one of my strengths and maybe it's not yours. (laughs)
1: It's okay. We know this. Yeah. Nobody's mad about it. I hate editing, so I'm okay. That's what
0: I'm saying. You don't even (laughs) like it. Yep. Uh, But you should tell us a joke real quick. Oh, yes.
1: Why did the skeleton not go to the house party?
0: Because he was missing his backbone?
1: No, he couldn't go in the living room.
0: Oh, that's just sad.
1: (laughs) Poor left out skeleton. I love this one. What is a zombie's favorite month? September. Dismember. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love the word dismember. It's a good word.
0: That's it's weird.
1: fun to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's you know. fun
1: to think about.
0: Okay. <laughs> part of why I like Outline okay.
1: Trio lyrics so much uh-huh. is there's a lot of talk of blood and dismemberment and it just, it makes me happy. That's like, uh, there used to be an apples to apples before. before Cards Against Humanity. Before Cards Against Humanity existed, me and my friends would just play like either like the dirtiest version or the most like morbid version of apples to apples possible. And everybody knew that one of my trump cards, the card that would always get me is like, it's one that says something like chopping off your foot with an ax or something like that. (laughs)
0: It didn't matter if it made sense. You're like, if you play this, you win. Yep, exactly. You are never allowed to say that I'm weird for my love of true crime podcasts because you just said, that's why I like Alkaline Trio, is they talk about blood and dismemberment so much. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not true. It's probably based on true things.
1: They do have some stuff based on, they have a whole song uh, about Sadie, or they have a whole song called Sadie. And it's based off of the Susan Atkins, uh, who is one of the followers of Manson. Oh, okay. CDG, she's crazy. See, that's what the white coats say. Now, Miss Susan A, you're losing every
0: opportunity. Okay, so uh, to they prevent folks <laughs> the, sorry, from getting mad at me, for having yet another to be continued in the Mel's Hole saga. Because if you remember, last week <laughs> was was part two. Yes. And the week before that was part one. And yes. when I said that there was a part two, Kayla got really mad at me. Yes. And then when I said that there was going to be a part three, Kayla yes. got really mad at
1: me. Uh, though, Kara... Shared my frustration.
0: So did my sister. <laughs> so and and those are just the ones who told me. So I assume other people were like, "What?" So I am doing an episode takeover this week, and we are finishing it here, folks. Yes. So, uh, let's crack into it. Yeah, Kayla and I are are back on the wine train.
1: <laughs> so there's no can to
0: crack, just a wine to clink. Also, I will have you know that this is 15 pages of notes. Get it, girl. Let's go. On top Let's of my go. other Let's seven go. pages the last two weeks. And I honestly could have gotten this batch up to 20. But I was like, this is just absurd. I'm ready for it. All right. So we're going to do a slight recap just because it's it's now been many weeks. Previously on Mel's Hole. <laughs> On February 21st, 1997, a man named Mel Waters from the Menashtash Ridge region of Washington appeared on Coast to Coast AM after having sent Art Bell a fax, which essentially read, Dear Art, I'm writing to you to see if I can get some help from you. On our property, there is a hole. And like the previous owners and the owners before them, we've been throwing trash into the hole. The hole has been there as long as anyone can remember. It's 9 feet 9 inches in diameter, and there is a stone retaining wall around it. People have been throwing their trash in it for decades. Furniture, household trash, dead cows, (laughs) building debris, you name it. The thing is, I notice that the hole never fills up. I've emptied fishing reels of monofilament trying to determine the depth. So far, I've sunk 80,000 feet of line into the hole without reaching the bottom. Dogs refuse to get within 100 feet of the hole, Birds won't sit on the retaining wall or the metal door, and there is no echo when you yell into the hole. I've never heard anything hit the bottom when tossed in. Kayla's favorite part. We once tossed in an old refrigerator and we (laughs) never heard it hit the bottom. No crash, splash, or crunch. I hope your listeners can help me with possible explanations. I'm wondering if, based upon my measurements thus far, this might be the deepest hole on earth. Signed, Mel Waters. All right, so Art invited Mel onto that night's episode of Coast to Coast AM, where it was determined that Mel had sunk about 15 miles worth of monofilament down into the hole to try and reach the bottom. A caller from Austin had agreed to be lowered into the hole if there was a cage that he could ride in that would allow him to go back up with the press of the button. Since apparently Mel said a very heartily, uh, "No, thank you, no thanks," to to going down into the hole himself. Unless, of course, he was already dead. Then he's like, throw me into the hole. He also told Art about a local legend, told to him by a neighbor who had thrown his deceased dog into the hole. Allegedly, it had come back to life, and he had found it, same collar, same tag, when he was out hunting. Zombie dog. Uh, The two talked about Mel's hole for about an hour or so, but it was the last hour of the night, so they left it there. A mystery. Days later, Art invited Mel back on coast-to-coast because suspicious and potentially dangerous things had started to happen. Fucking government. Right after their conversation, Mel started to notice some helicopter activity over his property. Basically, the segment aired, and a couple hours later, he went to the hole, and this is when he noticed the first helicopter. The first of a couple who seemed to be doing flybys. And it got him thinking. Maybe somebody out there was listening to Coast to Coast and started to get curious. But that was just the beginning. Days after the original phone call, Art received another fax from Mel, which summed up, essentially said that that day, Mel drove out to his property and discovered that there were armed military personnel blocking the road. When he asked what was going on, they said that there had been a plane crash. Mel said that it didn't seem likely there was no smoke, and either way, it was his property. Then, quote, I was told by this man that it wasn't necessarily my property and that it would be very easy to find a drug lab on my property. I asked if I could leave. He said, sure. Don't come back till we contact you. I asked if he wanted a way to contact me. They said they know how to. Don't worry. Oh, we finally figured out the buttons. I I remembered this time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They said they know how to, and I said... I suppose you don't want me talking to anyone about this. And he said, nobody would believe it. So after this, Mel was pretty freaked out about the military presence and, you know, the the threats. Because <laughs> yeah, legit. There wasn't necessarily a drug lab on the property, but Mel dabbles in the alternative health field. And there are some plants that certain indigenous health practitioners have been using for centuries for various ailments, such as the cold or the flu. They are native to northern Nevada, which has a similar climate, apparently, to the Manashtash Ridge region of Washington. So Mel had imported them and now cultivates these plants. And despite some colors suggesting that he go back to his property, guns blazing. Stupid. Yep. He didn't think it was worth the risk. One, taking on the U.S. military. Two, officially getting his land seized because of what they could say these plants in the building were for, which... Fair, fair, fair indeed. But on the second call, we finally get more theories of what this hole could be Mm -hmm. or what it could do. As my sister sent me in a text, I didn't see time traveling coming. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, the P waves in the hole. Yeah, the P waves in the hole, you know, you know. We also got a little confirmation that the hole really does exist when a guy named Scott, who grew up in the Menashtash Ridge region, called in to say that seven or eight years before, he had been having coffee with a Central Washington University professor. Central Washington University is in Ellensburg, which is where Mel lives, and this professor had told him a rumor about a hole that no one knew the bottom of. Scott also mentioned that within spitting distance of Mel's hole, there was one of the largest military reservations in the Pacific Northwest, possibly the largest within the whole Western United States. Pointing it out. You can't actually spit that far. I don't care who you are. What if it's a camel? Still not that far. What if it's a camel from another dimension? Good point. Just saying. <laughs> 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 and if the military didn't have something to do with it, it definitely makes sense as to why they're interested in it now. Also, during this second phone call, Mel told us about an old timer in them parts and Uh, that told him that the hole used to be surrounded by columns, similar to Stonehenge. But Mel had never seen them for himself. And of course, he would go back to the property to see if he could find evidence of these columns, but now the military was camped there with several temporary buildings and barricades blocking the way. He did receive word from his realtor about a quote-unquote generous offer for his land, which left us all wondering, is it the military? Is it someone else? If he doesn't take the offer, would they arrest him for being a drug dealer? As one listener said, it sounds like the government is going to take the hole and give Mel the shaft. (laughs) Dick jokes. (laughs) So could Mel just take the money and run, go someplace like Australia and be done with this whole thing?
1: I love puns.
0: <laughs> and now to the third and final installment of Mel's Hole. <laughs> install install stuff in Mel's Hole. So the third call with Mel on Coast to Coast had a lot of folks doubting Mel's story and telling Art that he should not be bamboozled by it. And again and again, Art reminded everyone that Mel didn't call him. He had sent a fax about whether or not this could be the deepest hole in the world. And he wanted Art's influence and connections to get in touch with geologists or, I don't know, splunking experts to figure out a way to explore it safely. Yeah, Mel wasn't in this for the government conspiracy portion. He really wasn't.
1: He was just trying to get some help and knew that Art knew some people. The government shit came after he had already contacted Mel.
0: Right, and it was Art who had actually called Mel, and Mel didn't even want to go on the radio to begin with. And Art really stressed this in the third call. He's like, guys, guys, Mel didn't even want to be on the call, but I was like, no, no, let's, let's get this out to the listeners. Let's yeah. figure out your questions. At the same time, though, not everyone was a big, stupid naysayer. A lot of other folks called in in support of Mel's hole. One woman suggested... <laughs> One woman suggested that he call in a psychic, to which Mel said that, you know, no matter what happens with the military and the land, whether or not he decides to sell it, he might need to do just that. Because for his own peace of mind, he needs to know what's at the bottom.
1: So they're they're suggesting to exercise Mel's hole?
0: No, uh, just, Wait, or just better explore it. Have a, have a psychic come in and maybe the psychic could tell him what's at the bottom. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not, not a priest. A
1: psychic. I just wanted to say that we exercised Mel's hole.
0: Um, you, yep. Yep. That makes sense. Uh, no. <laughs> you can't just leave me with these
1: things and I'm expect so me to leave it alone. I can't. I'm not capable.
0: No, this third conversation that they had was short and sweet. It was at the end of the episode, and it lasted maybe 15 minutes. And we left with the game plan that Mel would get a hold of his realtor about the offer, and then Art signed off, and then Mel just disappeared. And we don't get any updates on Mel's hole until he calls back to Coast to Coast AM in April of 2000, three years later. Holy buckets. Yeah. So Art is so excited to have Mel back on the line, and he starts their conversation with, listen, brother. Now this is really going to bring you back. Yeah, (laughs) brother. This is really going to bring you back to 2000. He goes, listen, brother. I just spent an hour red-faced embarrassed because I thought that the Blair Witch Project was real. (laughs) Same dude, same. Uh, At that time, when it first came out, I also thought it was real. Uh, Anyway, he's like, I really thought it was real. I've still got the hook in my mouth. And so I must begin by asking you, before I go any further with you tonight at all, Mel, is this Mel's Hole, the story of Mel's Hole, another Blair Witch Project? Because at this point, there had been a lot of media coverage about Mel's Hole. Television crews had gone up to Ellensburg and found no hole, uh, though they did actually find evidence of, like, military personnel. Like, a lot of boot prints and, okay. and, like, heavy machinery tracks. Okay. But they couldn't find Mel's hole. And there had been article after article, and folks had been searching for Mel or Melvin Waters in that area, who had a wife, who worked at the university, and they couldn't find anyone by that name. Maybe Mel just isn't great at...
1: Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, Grooming the land so the hole is hard to find.
0: That's all I got. I think that they plugged the hole. <laughs> and that's why no one could find it. The government. The government plugged the hole.
1: There's a variety of ways to plug a hole. Yeah,
0: there is. There is. My
1: God, we should have saved this for episode 169. <laughs>
0: It would have been so long.
1: <laughs> so long. Yeah. Hard to cover, too. Oh, Kayla. <laughs> uh, though some- I'll see myself out. Good night, everybody. Okay, bye.
0: <laughs> though some folks argued that for safety and privacy, Mel could have been using a pseudonym. So maybe Mel Waters isn't his real name. That's yeah. just what they go by. That actually makes a lot of sense. It really does. But still, after these conversations and after these stories, Mel disappeared. But to this, Mel said, this is not the Blair Witch Project. This is my life. This is my property. I haven't seen the Blair Witch Project, so I don't really know anything about that. Uh, (laughs) But I will say that I can tell you some pretty scary things. Together, Mel and Art recap their past conversations to get folks caught up Mm -hmm. and- to confirm that the story is the same now as it was before.
1: Especially because at this point, it had been three, three years. years. Like for yeah. us, it's been a week. right? But for them, that was a very long time. Art could right. have either had a
0: bunch of new listeners or people just forget. Exactly, exactly. Cause like I can listen to this stuff over and over again. Other people could only catch it on replays. Mm-hmm. So Mel confirmed that this was his property. Actually, he added some new information And that technically it was his wife's property. They had lived on the land for a couple of years, though they have since split ways. Okay. Mel added that one thing that he hadn't told Art back in the day, which makes the potential depth of the hole that much more impressive, is that there was a guy who would come to the hole about once a week to (laughs) dump tires down it. Because you have to pay to have tires disposed of. So this man would go to the various body shops in the area. He'd pick up the old tires and he'd dump them down the hole. What a scam. I know. So Mel suspects that there have been thousands and thousands of tires dumped into the hole. In addition to the trash and television tubes and dead cows and appliances, etc., etc. Oh, my God. If I can find one of these nearby... Do you know how
1: happy I would make my dealership if I could just eliminate I'm the cost saying. of disposal of tires? Right. We, right. Need, we need a Kayla's hole in, in Minnesota.
0: I'll, I'll work on that. <laughs> You'll work on Kayla's hole? Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> ah, anyway, Mel, Mel once again confirmed the size of the hole. The stonework around it and the metal door that he built for on top of it, and he reiterated that the hole had been there as long as anyone can remember, and as long as the whalebone had been in the tree, uh, which I'm was. Sorry, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I don't remember this reference. <laughs> yeah, Art and I were both very confused <laughs> by this. So, Art and I were thinking that Ellensburg, Washington, is like a hundred plus miles away from the ocean. Why is there a whale bone in the tree? Yeah. This is just a hashtag fun fact that it does exist. It's called the whalebone tree. And a whale's jawbone is embedded in an elm tree in front of a house in Ellensburg that was built in 1887. Oh. The theory is that a sea captain lived in the house at one point and propped it up against the tree, which then eventually like enveloped the bone. Oh. But it is still there. Cool. Um, as Mel said, Ellensburg is a strange place.
1: <laughs> Did you put the more you know sound on the board? I haven't yet. Okay. No. I know.
0: I was thinking The about more it. you know. <laughs> um, that was an old fashioned telephone. <laughs> <laughs> so the two continue to rehash this story. The fishing line, the lifesavers, determining the weight of the line itself. 80,000 feet, 15 plus miles. Too much. Too much. He went into more details about the indigenous plants that are on the property and their uses. Everything was on track with the original story that he had told like three years ago. Mel went on to say, ultimately, they made me an offer I could not refuse. And I will tell you that the offer that they made me had to do with going to Australia. I needed money to go out to Australia and I wanted to continue my research into medicinal plants. So we put together a very interesting package and a very interesting lease on the land to this party. A lease on the land, so not an outright buyout. Correct. Okay. Now, apparently Art had told the audience that Mel went to Australia because Mel had kept him updated on -hmm. that at least. And Mel had actually continued to send him emails throughout the years and Art confirmed that they had originated from Australia. As for the property, Mel confirmed that essentially the lease for the land was in perpetuity, which in other words, meant for the rest of Mel's life. So yeah, that yeah, yeah, and you'll hear a little bit more about that a little bit later. So they gave him a quarter of a million dollars a month for the property. So Mel was sitting pretty. Uh, yeah. He was living out near Perth and he loved it. He built some facilities out there in the outback. Where he would grow his plants. He also did wombat rescue in Australia. <laughs> Cute. Which he said was very gratifying. Cute. He described them as a good sized critter, many of whom were at risk of being endangered, but now, partially due to his work, they're making a comeback. Oh. The wombat comeback. Oh. <laughs> it's just absurd. So, Mel was in Australia growing his plants saving the wombats and Art asked him but Mel what the hell happened here you are in Australia with all this money and now you're back here and you have fallen on hard times and Mel said that you know what happened was (laughs) so what happened is I accepted their offer I was told to leave town so I left town I was actually told to leave my car and wait at the rest stop, one of those, you know, where you get off the road outside of Ellensburg. I was taken to the airport, then I was taken to San Francisco, and then I was taken to Australia. All right. They were like on it. They were on it. They're like, here we go, go. So I left the country. I had my two dogs with me. I was set up there. There was an account already set up for me. All the complex paperwork that was involved in moving as a resident to Australia was all taken care of for me. It was a piece of cake. They made all of the arrangements and there was some cooperation on the Australian government's part. They were willing to give me three million dollars for a year for use of the property. This is feeling really suspicious and weird. And Art had the best response to this. He just said, holy smokes. (laughs) (laughs) I know they can do this kind of thing, but I mean, it tells you how important this hole must be. Oh, yeah. It's a very important hole, obviously. A lot of people are really interested in Mel's hole. Mel continued that there were some NDAs involved. He could only disclose what he could disclose. And there were a lot of things that he simply didn't know. It was a good deal for him. And 99 out of 100 people would have likely done the same. And he loved Australia. He did a lot of good work out there, both with the plants and surprisingly with wombats. (laughs) He had imported some of his plants from the property and brought them with him to Australia. And they ended up having some, quote unquote, very remarkable properties. Okay. Which he attributes in part to the hole. Because he had the same plants that were not grown near the hole and they did not yield the same results. Now, apparently, before this call, Mel had told Art that he would be back in the States And he would come back on the show. Okay. Art promoted it. Mel's come back three years later. But when it came back to having Mel on the show, Mel just never showed up. Oh, okay. And Art asked, so what happened? Like, I promoted this, dude. Like, I made a big deal out of this. I made a big deal out of it, and you didn't even bother to show up. Well, Mel tells him this whole story about helping his nephew move into a new apartment. He did that. Then he went to return the truck to Tacoma. Then he was on a bus from Tacoma to Olympia. But on the way, there was some sort of altercation on the bus. Folks got into some sort of fight or something. And they ended up having to pull over at a rest stop. And the transit folks came on. And I don't know, they like interviewed everyone about the incident. And when he told them that he just needed to get back to Olympia, they said, yeah, no problem. And then that's the last thing that he remembers. Okay. That's suspicious. That's weird. 12 days later, he found himself in San Francisco. In what he says was a pretty rough part of town, he was woken up by a couple of unhoused individuals who were trying to make him sing on the road again because he kind of looks like Willie Nelson. <laughs> The fact that he kind of looks like Willie Nelson actually comes up a lot. So if you're if you're trying to picture what Mel Waters looks like, he just looks look like Willie Nelson. On the road again. Something, something, something. I
1: can't wait to get on the road again. Something, something, something. Music with my friends.
0: So he was missing 12 days and he had nothing on him. No identification, no wallet, no keys. He woke up in an alley. He was filthy which sounds like he might have already been from helping his nephew move. But the only thing that he had on him were the clothes that he was wearing on the last day that he remembered. And then he noticed that his arm kind of hurt. So he rolled up his sleeves and it looked like there had been an IV inserted. He had little holes in his arm and you could still see the tape residue on his skin. And then he realized that his mouth tasted like blood. And that all of his back teeth had been removed. All of them? Just gone. No back teeth on the top or bottom. Ow. And what? So he gets in touch with his nephew. He calls him Collect. And his nephew gets him a Greyhound bus ticket that he can pick up at the station. So he took the bus back. Now, Art is listening to the story and he's like, what the fuck? (laughs) As, As we all are right now. You're clearly screwing with someone that you shouldn't have been screwing with. If they sent you to Australia, you were supposed to
1: stay in Australia, obviously.
0: That was actually very specifically part of the deal. Like he was supposed to stay there, but then he started missing his family. So he came back home to visit, helped his nephew move. He got kidnapped, lost 12 days, and all his back teeth. I mean, who hasn't this happened to, really? You know, it's a a tale tale as as old as as time. time. Jesus. So uh, Mel guesses that it had something to do with the fact that he was going to go on the air and talk about everything. I mean, Art had been promoing it for a while. And, you know, someone didn't want him to say anything. And you know what? We've been told
1: for years, since, for as long as we've had email, we've been told that if the government wanted to, they could access your email. Oh, for sure. And you know what? It's probably not that hard so even if we even if Art wasn't doing all the promo, he probably would have known based on the fact that they like were giving him millions of dollars,
0: like a yeah, quarter they're of a million keeping like, an eye on him. Like,
1: they know. Yeah. They fucking know.
0: And Art is now getting concerned because if that's why this happened, Mel could be in danger because he is on the show now. He points out, you know, when Mel was on his show the first time, look what happened Years later, he's supposed to be on again, and Mel lost 12 days in all his back teeth, and it seems like there might be some kind of relationship with these two <laughs> things. But Mel, mm, Mel just said that you could take the connection and we could put it on the back burner. No be- step on Snick. Because, you know, he's a curious fellow. Any guy that will run 80,000 feet of monofilament into a hole is a curious guy. And anyway, he made it back to his nephews, and that's where he is now. But that is not everything. I'm glad Art is concerned for Mel at this point.
1: But in my brain, now we've discussed a few, a couple of Art stories, and I want to look more into this. Was, like, Art ever concerned for himself? Because it seems like with him being the facilitator of these kinds of conversations, maybe he should have been. He like, wasn't hiding where his station was. Everybody no.
0: knew. Yeah. Um That's a really good question. I feel like we kind of mentioned this on one of the past episodes, but I don't remember. What I don't said.
1: think we did because all I can think is like maybe he was just too well known
0: so if he disappeared, people would be like, "Right, you his know. his entire platform is all was mostly like government conspiracy theories." Yeah. So, so, like, I'm
1: I'm glad he's concerned for, for Mel. And obviously, I don't have to be concerned for Art anymore because he's no longer with us. But my right. brain is, if I had been listening to this in real time, my brain would be like, Art, go, go, go in hiding. I <laughs> can
0: find a place. Go into Mel's hole. <laughs> we'll figure it out, bud. By the way, I didn't get a chance to listen to what you had talked about last week. However, Steve did. And he said, you got to listen to it because it's so fucked up." <laughs> so Mel gets back. He's hanging with his nephew after this weird adventure to San Francisco. And he finds out that there was legal action being taken against him on behalf of his ex-wife. Because why not? You know, let's just add to the pile. Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. The property with the hole had been hers. Yeah. Right? But as part of their divorce settlement, it was leased to him again in perpetuity so that I think I think the whole point of that was he got the property. it was basically his, but when he died, then her family could have it back. okay, okay. so since he had helped her go through school, this is the agreement that they had like there there was nothing on the property anyway, just a couple of old buildings that were breaking down and it was just empty.
1: So basically I'm gonna guess the issue is that she had, given him the property to use while he was alive, not give him the property to sell to the government and then go live out his Australia dreams while he's still alive.
0: Oh, we'll get to it. Okay. (laughs) So her issue through this legal summons was basically that he had violated the terms of their lease agreement. Underground fuel tanks and septic system were installed along with like electricity, and there were some paved roads put on the land. And none of that was allowed. It was essentially just the property. You can't do anything really to it.
1: Like a a standard rental agreement. You can rent a house, but you're not
0: supposed to do stuff to that house. Yeah, you're not supposed to renovate the kitchen. Yeah. Unless you get permission, which he did not. But all those things were put in by the folks who were leasing it from him, a.k.a. the federal government. Yep. So he did inevitably lose all the rights to the property. And he was really discouraged by this because as, as like part of his agreement with the government, he was getting, you know, half a million dollars a month. And he was actually giving her 25 grand a month out of that money that he was making from his lease on the land. He suspects that maybe she found out about the total amount he was getting. Yeah. And then she wanted all of it.
1: Greedy, greedy. But you know what? I If it was my ex-husband and- and, and I found out that, yeah, I was getting $25,000, but he was making a quarter of a million off of my property, yeah, I'd probably be the same. Right. I'd like my, to say that I'm better than that, but I don't think I am. I
0: mean, my my thing about it is that he didn't have to give her twenty five grand a month. Like, yeah. that wasn't part of the agreement. He put her through school that's why he got to to yeah. lease the property and he even then he was like i'm going to i'm still going to take care of you
1: depending though depending on how that marriage ended we don't know
0: that's very true there,
1: who knows how bitter i'd be i might be that bitter
0: <laughs> yeah and he he was good at like giving her the money but he also seemed a little bitter towards her but that could be because she took it away from him took the legal action yeah yeah, yeah. so you know so now he's got no money No property, no back teeth, no money, no prospects. I'm already a
1: burden to my parents, and I'm frightened.
0: What is that from? Pride and prejudice. Okay, I was (laughs) like, I know that line. But he's also really mad because you know what? When those 12 days of missing time happened, they also stole his belt buckle.
1: (laughs) Fuck my teeth, man. It's the belt buckle that I want.
0: He had all his clothes but was missing his belt buckle when he woke up in San Francisco. And now he's at the point where he just needs to sell plasma just to buy cigarettes. (laughs) And he's down, man. He's down. We've all been there. Art says, riches to rags, just like that. Can, Can you imagine
1: 12 days gone and mad about a belt buckle?
0: Well, you know, he made he made that belt buckle and you're going to hear a little bit about the belt buckle later. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. this is I, that's not just like a random fact I threw in there. Though he did make a really big deal about it. He talked about it for a while. <laughs> At this point, Mel says he just needs to find some people. He needs to find the guy who used to dump the tires and he needs to find a guy who has a gun. Okay. Now, the story of the gun. He found this old gun buried on the property near the hole. He would like dig things up and like sort it and just he was just cleaning up the property because it was just old and he's like a well frick shirt while well, he's waiting for his plants to grow. He said that he's not a gun guy, but it was a German P-38, like the kind that the Nazis used in World War II. And when he needed to move into his apartment. I believe that the apartment that he's referring to would be the one that he lived in in Ellensburg. So he had been living on the property. There was a heavy snowfall that caused damage to some of the buildings. He moved to Ellensburg. And then he talked to Art about the hole. I think that's the chain of events that leads us here. Okay. He needed to move into this apartment, and he gave the landlord this gun as a deposit. It was in relatively good shape. It was found in its holster. So it must be worth something. So this is the deal that he made with the landlord. And I guess in Mel's absence, when he was hanging out with the Wombats, this guy had called Coast to Coast to talk to Art about this gun because apparently this gun, when you shot it, because it still works, it made no sound, which was very interesting because it definitely should have. Well, apparently this guy disappeared. Okay. His son is friends with Mel's nephew, so he and Mel got to talk in and this guy left his wife, his family, and no one has heard anything from him. He took the gun and was just gone. Like a bad country song. So Art is listening to this, and he starts asking Mel, you know, why? Why wouldn't you just let this go? They took your teeth, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Let it go, bro. (laughs) And Mel...
1: Be like Elsa. Channel Elsa. I mean, Elsa didn't exist back then, but still. No, no.
0: Well, Mel, Mel said that he's turning 68 soon, and he has lived a simple life. It's been... Quite extraordinary the last couple of years, but most of his life was simple. And now he just wants answers. And he hopes that by finding this guy, it's just another piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Because while he was talking to the guy's son, he found out that not only did the guy become obsessed with this gun because it was completely silent when you shot it, but also if you were to set it next to a radio, it would pick up all sorts of bizarre stuff. Such as signals from not only the present, but the past as well, and channels that you shouldn't be able to get. That's no gun. It's an
1: intradimensional communications device. The gun
0: thing is an illusion. An illusion an illusion. I like how they picked like a John. World War II Nazi gun then. <laughs> If this gun was like a foot away from the radio, you could wave your hand over it and it would change the channel and it would pick up something like a 1963 baseball game or a weather report from Iowa, news from Canada or Mexican music. It was just really weird. (laughs) And not only does Mel want to find the gun because he thinks it might have answers, Again, this is the second thing that he's heard of that was found or grown near the hole that is, I don't know, magic? Yeah. But he also wants to make sure that this guy is okay because he just up and disappeared and no one knows what happened to him. Like his teeth. Right? Like maybe it was worse than that. Maybe he wasn't willing to give up the gun and they took his whole head. Maybe. Or maybe he's still asleep in an alley in San Francisco. Maybe he was one of the guys that was trying to get him to sing on the road again. (laughs) And as for the tire guy, well, Mel used to clear stuff up and digging, you know, which is how he found the gun. And instead of just throwing it all to the side, he would put the rocks and found metal into these five-gallon paint buckets. He's just spiffing it up. Well, one day the guy came to chuck some tires into the hole when he had some car troubles. Eventually, Mel took these buckets full of rocks and put them in the guy's truck bed to help him with the traction because he got stuck. And now that Mel is unable to get back onto the property, he's hoping that the guy still has the buckets because it's the closest thing that Mel can get his hands on for further research. Do you have my magical trash? Question mark. Well, this would be my magical rocks. Do you have my magical rocks? Question mark. Question mark. Because the properties of this hole are, I mean, they're potentially unknown. So mm-hmm. he wants to get a hold of these potentially magic rocks. <laughs> and then maybe he can make more magical medicine.
1: <laughs> so He's, He was new agey before new agey was really that big of a thing. He
0: he certainly was. In fact, when he was living in Australia, he was in contact with several people from like various governmental de- de- like departments. Mm-hmm probably because he had these non-native plants that he was growing in Australia. And at one point, the medicinal plants, ones that had originated on the property with the hole, were given to these three guys who were in hospice. So they were dying from an advanced form of HIV. But after receiving medicine derived from these special plants, they made a full recovery. And Mel, who is so interested in finding ways to use plants as natural medicines, Wants to find out what about the hole changes objects and plants so much. He's doing it to save the world, Kayla. This is where I start getting questiony.
1: Like I was fully bought on for the hole until like right now, where I'm like, "You were so." What we're saying is that into it. What what we're saying is that the hole can cure
0: AIDS. The I mean the plants were already known. To cure other things, that's why Mel was so interested in them. So maybe some sort of magical situation with the energy around the hole, just like it, like super supersized sized them.
1: Okay, it okay, made
0: a, it made them extra potent. Okay, yeah. <laughs> in the end, they run out of time, and they need to start wrapping up the call. Mel provides the audience with an email, uh, with the hopes that these fellas will get in contact with him because mm-hmm. he's like I need to find them I need to find my magical rocks and I need to find the magical gun and I need to continue my research but I need these first because I can't get to the hole because my wife screwed me over screwed him out of the hole
1: <laughs> you know I'm thinking about this and I'm like okay well how well like, likely is he to actually reach anybody but my dad called me uh-huh. this last weekend and we were talking about these last couple of episodes. He's like, Yeah, I used to listen to art all the time because he was an like he was a trucker.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. And you, so he's like driving at night. What driving- are you gonna do? Yep.
1: And you're just like, Oh, shit. No, I suppose this this really reached if you didn't know somebody, you knew somebody who knew somebody. So this was a really good way to get that out there.
0: For yep. sure. I mean, ten million listeners. Yeah. That's what he was working with. Yep. So the next time that we hear from Mel, it's actually two years later, in January of 2002. And in that time, he has, one, gotten some fancy new dentures, top of the line. <laughs> some de- some dentists gave him back teeth again. He's pretty happy about it. And two, he found out that he had no money, which he did kind of talk about it in the last call, but we never heard why. And what he updated with Art is that after he got back to the States last 12 days, was served the lease termination papers from his wife, moved in with his nephew, he went to check his bank account, and all of his money was gone. Now, he did say that he had used a good chunk of the money on like his plant facilities. And saving and his, wombats. And his wombat rescue efforts. But the money that was left had disappeared. So then he called his staff in Australia and he was told that the facilities had been dismantled and everyone was given a severance check. Okay. They just shut that shit down because he went back to the States.
1: The government giveth, the government taketh away.
0: Yeah. And Australia's in on it. Yep. They both, once again, are going back and forth, very uh, on the road so far with Mel Waters. And Mel brings up his missing belt buckle. (laughs) As I told you, it was a big deal to him. And apparently, uh, and I'm not going to go into a lot of details about it, but the gist of it is that it was made, he made the belt buckle himself out of a fork and a coin. He's crafty (laughs) like that. (laughs) Uh, But the coin had been found along with nine or so other coins on the property near the hole, but it was a coin that shouldn't exist. So he found like a tiny little bag of coins while he was digging in the dirt. Okay. All presidents need to be dead for at least two years before they're eligible to be featured on U.S. currency. And these coins had Theodore Roosevelt on them, but the date on the coin was from before he had passed, which is impossible. Okay. And this, Mel believes, is why they stole his belt buckle, because it had some kind of proof of... Like I don't know, like an alternate dimension, because or time travel. I mean, time travel maybe, but it doesn't explain why the date would be before oh, yeah, he yeah, died. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Unless he had already been dead at that point for two years, which the alternate dimension theory was one of the biggest theories that people had come up with over the years as to what this whole like went to, where where the connection was, uh, and then that's where all the trash went. Just some alternate dimension is full of our junk. Junk and dead cows.
1: Junk, dead cows, and some tires.
0: People are like, what the fuck? Why are there more dead cows being thrown here? Because <laughs> obviously it's like ours if Theodore Roosevelt is president there at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Another update that came during this call was that something could be found online that could potentially prove that Mel's Hole existed. So Terra Server which was a mapping software before Google Earth, showed that the whole area where Mel's property could be found, based upon the descriptions we were given, was blacked out and was made a no-fly zone. This was confirmed at the time by several folks. On the call, someone had called in and sent the URL for this. And you can see it behind me. Okay. Okay. So it's basically like a Google Earth... Overview, and then there's a big white box that's like five by eight miles or something like that. And Mm -hmm. it's just completely blanked out. Like you can't see anything. Well, Mel's ex is property. Right. Now, some folks thought that this isn't proof of the hole's existence or the government's involvement. Mel could have found this and then made up the property location based upon this blacked out area. Mm -hmm. Except that TerraServer wasn't launched until six months after Mel's first phone call. Okay, okay, okay. And Mel didn't even know about this. His nephew had found it. The youths. The youths. And their technology. Their technology. So by the time that this Terra server had this area blocked out, the general location had already been established. It had been on the air. Everyone knew about it. And then... Mel told Art about an interesting experience that he had had. I'm trying to figure out how to describe
1: the face you're making right now to the audience. Um, It's a
0: little confused and a little sad. And a little disgusted, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's about accurate. All right. All right. So, a Native American tribe. Contacted Mel and asked him if he wanted to go to Nevada to help them research another bottomless hole. Oh, okay. He said they took me to it. I did not go up to the hole, but there were conversations between the Native Americans and the Basque, and they agreed that everything was as it should be. That I wasn't from, you know, CNN or the FBI or the CIA. So I went there and I got to see the hole. I like how he just used whatever he could For like, that's three letters. CNN, FBI, CIA. Because MSNBC, that's too many letters. (laughs) And the second hole wasn't on the Native American reservation. It was actually on public land that was used by the Basques. So the Basques are an ethnic group that come from a small region between France and Spain. And the Basques had settled in a couple of regions in the United States in the mid-1800s, including Nevada. They were using this land to herd sheep. They told Mel that the hole was there for as long as their people had been, so at least 200 years. And they also told Mel that they considered the hole and the land around it to be sacred. This hole was nine feet wide, just a little over, just like Mel's. But where Mel's hole had a stone retaining wall of a few feet around it, This second hole had a metal collar and metal lining that went down as far as you could see. And this hole was warm to the touch, and you could feel like a heat all around it. In fact, it was warm enough that you could camp next to it, which is what the Basques and the Native Americans did when they were out in the area, and also apparently what Mel did, because he stayed there with them for several nights. But it also wouldn't get too hot either. It would stay relatively neutral, like it was warm, it wasn't hot, it wasn't cold, but you could just camp around it like a fire and be comfortable. Okay. And similar to Mel's hole, it was also eerily silent. The metal wouldn't make any sound or vibrate at all. At one point, Mel dropped a metal tool into the hole and it hit the side and it made no noise. Now, unlike Mel... The locals never did any experiments to determine its depth, but they did note that dogs would not go near it, and some folks claimed that, like Mel's hole, they had witnessed a black beam shooting out of it. Okay, okay, okay. And this black beam would last in, like, short bursts, though again, Mel said that he had actually never witnessed this himself. Together, Mel and the Basques began their experiments on this second hole. And Mel, being the researcher that he is, he wanted to dive into the temperature difference, that natural warmth that was coming off of the hole. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> do you know? I've been trying. I was like, we can't make this whole episode about me giggling about references to this a whole hole. episode, <laughs> but I. I'm just, I'm trying so hard over here. I'm trying for Jesus over here.
0: I know. And I keep making faces, which are triggering your laughters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they, they went and got some ice. And to allow for a control, Mel took half of the ice and put it in a bucket. This bucket, they would leave topside. The rest of the ice would be put into another bucket and lowered into the hole. They only had about 1,500 feet of line to work with. So that's how far they lowered it. And the idea was that they would leave it down there until the ice on the surface was about halfway melted. Then they would bring up the other bucket. Okay. Just to see what happened. Well, what ended up happening, according to Mel, was that the ice that had been lowered into the hole had not melted at all. Okay. Not only only that, but Mel said that when he put his hand in the ice that had been pulled back up, it wasn't cold. He said that it almost felt like a block of glass. It was a neutral temperature. I don't like that. Why
1: does that make me more uncomfortable? Oh, just
0: wait. And they're like, well, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 it is. So they tried to melt the ice over an open flame. And it caught fire.
1: That's That's a Game of Thrones book.
0: Something ice and fire.
1: I don't know. Anyway, continue.
0: (laughs) Uh, They took it off the fire right away. They put it down the bucket of ice or whatever, and it kept burning. And it was like, it wasn't like full on flames. It was, Mel described it as kind of like when you have your stove on for a while and then you turn it off and it just kind of glows a little bit. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Mm -hmm. So one of the locals took the ice home and he put it in his wood stove in his cabin where it continued to give off heat for months. Man, these, why are we not utilizing these holes? They could solve so many problems. Right? So Art asked Mel if this happens every time that they did this experiment. And Mel said that they continued to do the ice experiment. And about two-thirds of the time, the ice would melt normally. But the other third, it would transform into this new substance. At one point, one of the Basque offered to be lowered into the hole. Yep, don't do it. The no, bad idea. No one liked that idea, except for that one guy. So instead, they lowered a sheep into the hole. Still not a good idea. Poor mm. sheepy. Side note, Mel is an animal lover. We know this because of how much he loved the wombats. <laughs> so he was actually pretty upset about this next part. It He's was going to just come back as a zombie sheep. It's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. He said, look, it really wasn't my idea, but I feel very ashamed that I went along with this. So.
1: Is your little, is your little vegetarian heart quivering right now?
0: It gets really upsetting. If, if you are sensitive to things, maybe skip ahead like 30 seconds. Okay. Once we're done talking about the sheep. So the sheep, it didn't want to go down in that hole. I don't blame it. Yeah. Yeah. It fought, and it fought, and it tried to kick its way out of its crate, but they lowered it into the hole anyway, and they heard it, like, bleeding until a certain point when it, like, went silent. Yeah. So by the time it had gotten down to about a 1,000 feet, the sheep stopped moving, and then they started to feel a kind of humming or electrical sensation in the rope that they were using to lower it down with. And they left the sheep down there for about 30 minutes, and then they brought it back up again. The crate was unchanged, and the sheep didn't seem to have any injuries or marks on it, but it was clearly deceased.
1: It probably had a heart attack from panic, from being lowered into a hole.
0: Sheep are skittish creatures. If only. Kayla, if only. So the Basque, sheep are their life. They're sheep herders. Mm Mm-hmm. They know how to butcher a sheep. Yeah. So they brought it over to a table and they basically performed an autopsy on it. Okay. Uh, They opened it up and they were not expecting what they found. Essentially, the sheep had been cooked from the inside out. And they were thinking that it must be some kind of microwave energy, microwave waves down there or something. So then they busted out the mint jelly and they were like, it's time. No, no. See, then they also found what Mel describes as some kind of gel, like a huge tumor inside, taking up the entire length of the body cavity. But its insides didn't smell. Oh, okay. I mean, they did, but not in the way that you would expect. Mel said that it smelled like ozone. And then they noticed that the tumor- Wait, what does something smell like ozone? Uh, If we don't know an
1: answer, that's fine. I just, I don't, I'm trying to... Ozone has a
0: very specific smell. I can't describe it. So this tumor inside, uh, it started to move. It was pulsing. So they cut the tumor open and find what Mel describes as a fetal seal, an independent organism moving on its own. It was about 18 inches long, had flippers, and was attached to the tumor by what looked like an umbilical cord. It's an alien. He said, I'm saying it's a seal. I have no idea what it was. I couldn't figure it out.
1: It's and, a mind
0: flare, And he can see that its eyes are opening, its flippers are moving, and they notice that it seems to be observing them as much as they are watching it, with consciousness, with intelligence. But as Mel described... With eyes that they all agreed looked human. (laughs) Not like round seal eyes. I mean, he says, you know what a dog's eyes look like. You know what a cat's eyes look like. These look like human eyes. I want this thing as my pet. No. No. (laughs) How scary that is. So, Mel's telling this story and Art is... Disgusted And freaking out, I'm guessing. And Mel is disgusted. We're all disgusted. I'm intrigued. And Mel's voice is shaking and he's he's so upset about telling it because like, what the fuck? But they watched this creature for a while as it made its way to the end of the table. And then Mel said that he felt like it wanted to go back to the hole. So he picked it up and set it next to the edge. And he said the creature was slimy and it too smelled like ozone. And it stayed there on the edge. It watched the men. The men watched it. And this went on for maybe two hours until it gave them one final look and then jumped back into the hole. All right. Okay. It made its decision. At this point, Art said, I suppose you got no photos of this. And Mel basically said, well, no, I did not. Because he thought at first maybe he should get some photos of this and then thought, well, this isn't really my place to do this. It's not my property. It's not my hole. <laughs> it's not Mel's hole anymore. This is an entirely other different hole. Always get permission and consent before photographing another person's hole. Well, I'm saying. And although this land was public land, it's also very sacred to the Native Americans of the area as well as to the Basque. And he felt like, look, I don't really want to be the person to publicize this. It's not my place even though he did think that it should be studied. Legit, legit. Mel continues on to tell Art that he had been diagnosed with advanced esophageal cancer and had basically been told that he had six months to live. So this oh. was kind of like a, uh, like a last hurrah for him. It was like a, a, a chance
1: to wrap things up and talk to Art, but also say goodbye.
0: Right. And then also research this thing and maybe get some answers about his own hole. But after this experience, Mel was now cancer-free. Um. What? Uh huh. He said, "Well, I felt like I was in the presence of something extraordinary, something beyond extraordinary, something like in the category of having a religious thing. It was just such a stunning thing to witness." And then, once again, they ran out of time. Oh <laughs> and my Mel God! And Art signed off, leaving you hanging. A couple months later, Mel was back on the air. i didn't imagining, have to wait years for this. I'm just imagining like the
1: people listening to these episodes that have been following from the beginning be like, like, no. be like I was last week. Just like angry. But at least, you know, you
0: were going to find out what happened. Yep. Uh, so unlike the last couple of times, it didn't take years. It just took a couple of months. I do think it took nearly a full year. If I recall correctly, that one call that I just talked about was in January. This one was in December. Okay. But Mel was back on the air and he updated Art on a couple of things, uh, most notably about the burning ice. So the local man who had took it home and put it in his wood stove, well, time goes by and it keeps burning. It's keeping his cabin warm. He loves it. But he's also realizing that it seems to be sucking all of the moisture out of the air. He puts a kettle of water on top of the stove to try and like humidify the air because Mm -hmm. he's starting to have skin problems, and he's always thirsty. But he realizes that when the steam is coming out of the kettle, instead of going up, it's being sucked down into the stove. And he can't quite figure out why this keeps happening and why he can't just get this humidity in the cabin. To me, I'm like, maybe you should also think about why ice is burning for months and months and months. Yeah, like that's your concern. Not my, like unrestrained
1: power heat source right no no the issue is that i uh, it's a little
0: dry i'm thirsty (laughs) but again it's a never-ending source of warmth so he keeps it in the stove then one day the stove crashes through the floor into the ground underneath the cabin but it was still warm so he just patched up the hole and continued to use it as warmth. dumb Uh uh-huh A couple weeks later, he comes back to the cabin and sees that there's nothing left. It just burnt to dust. Wait,
1: of the cabin or the,
0: like, ice? The cabin. okay. Yeah, so his house burnt down because of this heat source. Okay. So he goes and moves in with his brother. A couple weeks later, he comes back to the place where his cabin was and sees that the stove is now five feet underground. and. The hole that was made by the stove is now perfectly smooth, like it was creating a new bottomless hole. Oh my God. And try as he might, they like, you know, wrapped a bunch of chains around and they tried to pull it up and they could not. In fact, they had to get a crane out there in order to get it out of the ground. It's just a simple metal stove. They got it in the house. At the same time though, The Basque claim that they had continued to be visited by the fetal seal.
1: (laughs) Ah, yes, my favorite companion, the fetal seal.
0: (laughs) They considered it to be a benevolent presence, and they considered that the whole experience was some sort of, like, spiritual one. And they believed that the seal-like creature was communicating with them over the radio via a series of beeps and clicks, which apparently is a language that they could understand. It's like R2-D2? Yeah. (laughs) And what this seal-like creature says is it warns them that the ice is dangerous. Like, no fucking shit. This guy's house burnt (laughs) down, and then it started to create another bottomless hole. But anyway, the ice is dangerous, and they couldn't let it get into the wrong hands. If it does, it could lead to the destruction of the entire world. (sighs) Art asked if these beeps and clicks were recorded anywhere, and Mel said, yes, they are. The the Basque recorded everything. Like, okay, okay, okay. You know, if you're going to do experiments, you should record it. And there's a bunch of back and forth, but in the end, Art gets Mel to agree to come back on the show and provide proof of the recordings and photos and videos. And Mel says that he's going to go back to Nevada and collect all these things. The two wrap up their conversation, the show ends, and then Mel is never heard from again. He doesn't respond to Art's calls and eventually the line is disconnected. The amount that I just want to, like,
1: I just want to take my headphones off and throw them at the wall, but they were very expensive headphones, and then just walk down your stairs and out your front door. But we have a whole nother fucking episode to record after this, but I just want to ank, I just want to storm out. I want to angry walk away from this fucking story right now, but I can't. So, what else do you have written on that page, Brittany?
0: So, that is the official end. Of Fuck Maslow.
1: off!
0: So now about the story itself and, and whether or not we believe it. Okay. 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 So there is no Mel that we could find, but it could be a pseudonym. But okay. we don't know. We, okay. we couldn't find anyone named Mel or Melvin Waters. TerraServer did, in fact, have it blacked out. And then when Google Earth came around, it is now open. Is there a hole? Well, of course, the government would have covered it up when they were done doing its research. But if you remember, when the camera crews from the media came, they did find evidence of of the so-called like yellow yeah. gear and a bunch of footprints. So there's that. There is a Department of Natural Resources geologist named Jack Powell who's from Ellensburg. And he has spent 20 years checking out... That whole area. And when he heard Mel's story, he knew that the deepest mine shaft in the world was 12,672 feet deep. And the deepest known cavern is 7,188 feet. The Russians drilled the deepest borehole that went down 40,230 feet in 1989. He has 30 years experience exploring geography in this area. And he said that geographically and physically it is not possible for a hole to go that deep it's just impossible the the russians deepest hole that was drilled was half as deep as mel's hole okay or at least as as deep as we know mel's hole at least went he also said that simply it would collapse in on itself under the tremendous pressure and heat from the surrounding strata however mel didn't ask for anything Like he could have sold items talking about Mel's hole that people would have bought just because it's interesting. Mm -hmm. He did nothing. He plugged nothing in his phone calls. He just told a story. And in fact, the original facts as Art kept bringing up in that one episode was about whether or not this was the deepest hole in the world. And he was looking for some sort of information about it. He's like, it's weird. But also if it's 80,000 feet deep, It's going to take a really long time to fill up, even if it's been decades and tens and thousands and thousands of tires. Like, it's going to be a really long time to do that. And every time he called in, they rehashed it, and his story never changed. Art tried to trip Mm. him up, and he couldn't. So on a skeptic scale, (laughs) para to normal. Five being para, one being normal. What do you give Mel's hole? I'm giving it a three, but it's a fucking angry three. <laughs> Explain yourself. Why why not why not two or four? Okay. Because I honestly don't know. It's
1: I have to go middle of the road with this one. I was leaning towards two. Right. Because wait, my, as in like normal? As in normal. Okay. I was leaning towards I think that this might be hoaxy. Okay, because my instinct goes to like, how many times do we see people make up fake stories on Reddit, uh, Facebook, Instagram? Because you got to get those the sweet serotonin from those those fake internet points, right? We're all guilty of it, right? Like it's it's nice to see a well liked post. I still love that I have a couple of viral like TikToks, even though like they're pretty small viral and they're just. A stupid car joke. It feels good. <laughs> right. Like that's. But the fact that he didn't trip up over this many years.
0: Five years. Yeah. Over the course of five years and not consistently. It was three three phone calls. Two phone calls. One phone call. And the fact that he communicated with Art outside of those phone calls. It is my opinion that he did go to Australia. The way that he talks about it, he is so in or or he thinks he went to Australia because he was really really invested in Australia. He wanted to talk about how cool it was about his work. He had a lot to say about these herbs and plants that from there you know the indigenous folks of Nevada. Like he had a lot to say about those And then
1: I was also leaning towards four for a minute. Right. Because of all those things like you're talking about, like the consistencies in the stories and the fact that he communicated outside of it. But then I just keep coming back to him like, it doesn't, if there was a hole, Mm -hmm. and this is where, again, I have competing thoughts in my head Through, If there was a hole that could cure being HIV positive, could cure esophageal cancer like if there was these holes that could like help even if it is like sacred to certain areas or whatever you think that like then those communities would want to like throw some stuff out there into the world or but then you've got like then you got the other side of your brain that was like big pharma would never fucking let that happen and then you go back and forth on things a million times i'm just i have to go three because my my brain i might not next week because next week will be an episode we're yet recording tonight. Right? Who knows? Give me a couple of weeks to think about it. Maybe I'll have something to throw out there in a couple of weeks on it.
0: But I'm just—I can't do anything other than a straight three because I have no fucking clue. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, girl, I am—I'm right there with you. <laughs> I keep toggling back and forth. I'm like, obviously, it can't be real. And I was like, but it could be real. And I've heard about. People who have made medical discoveries and then they it just goes away. I recently saw something about, I feel like there's some students in Africa who came up with something that would cure, I think, like help break down cancer. And it's like the first step to curing cancer. And I saw it and they're like, spread this literally everywhere. Because anytime something like this happens, they disappear. And so... And yes, but then also then you come into the the, the fetal seal. Then you come into the
1: fake internet stuff again, too, of like people being like, spread this everywhere because they always have a way of covering it up. But then in my brain, I'm like, or are you like the people that says like, reshare this because Facebook's going to take away our identity. Like how much of it is true?
0: How much of it is not true? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. I know. Is this like the moon landing where they just they want to. Some people are like, oh, it definitely happened. Other people are like, it definitely didn't happen. So no one has ever found Mouse Hole. Someone did find a property that fits a lot of descriptions. And in the end, apparently, I don't know how they got permission to dig to find out. But it it ended up being a well that was in that area that's all blocked off. However, the government spent so much time there and they blocked it off and it was a no fly zone, obviously they would they would do something so that people couldn't go there anymore. So I'm giving it a three. Okay. Because and and it's not because I don't think it's believable, it's because I can't decide between the two. Yep. I'm right there with you. I'm I'm right there.
1: <laughs> All right. Well if you have a con a conspiracy theory you'd like to share with us, uh, a big government cover-up, a paranormal experience, anything you'd like to throw out there, please do so. You can email us, leftofskeptic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and click the Listener Stories tab at the top of the page. You can choose to remain anonymous or include your
0: name, whatever you prefer. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. Also, I'm going to ask, I think we should post something on our Facebook and our Instagram and I think people should let us know what they think. I'm really curious as to what other people think about this. People were so mad that it what took three episodes to get to this point. But now we're like. Yeah, let us know what you think. Nearly an hour your... and a half into part three. I wanna I wanna hear your opinion on Mel's hole. You can also follow us on social media where you can find this question. We are on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at left of skeptic, and Facebook at left of skeptic podcast. All right. Well, uh, When you hear us next week, you will find that
1: I still sound this frustrated (laughs) because normally I do my story first and I get to leave the frustration at the door, but I have to go right into my next episode. So uh, don't be surprised when you hear that tone in my voice.
0: (laughs) But you know what? We love you and appreciate you. It's true we do. Okay. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc. And our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye!